Welcome to Life City Church. This podcast was created so that you could get a sneak peek at what God is doing here. Our mission is to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and change the world. Thank you so much for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy today's message. So we, we, we begin our 21 days of prayer and fasting tomorrow. And, and my hope is this, that in the next 21 days, starting tomorrow, that uh, you will truly develop a new relationship with God. That you will develop a knowledge of God. That you will know Him. That you will truly love Him and learn to dwell in His presence. That's what my hope is for... Because if you can learn those things, those things will get you through every situation in life. Amen? That, that, and so that's my hope this morning. And so um, as we go through that, this prayer guide, um, I mentioned it earlier, this prayer guide, this is a printed black and white version, but this prayer guide is available. You can phone to your tablet, to your computer, whatever the case is, and uh, you can find that on our website. And again, it's got all kinds. It's got scriptures for fasting and how to use this and talks about fasting and, and, and all of those things. Different types of prayer, the prayer of Jabez, praying through the tabernacle, all of that is in here, and it is a great, great prayer guide. So make use of that. We've also got them for the kiddos, and this month our kids are going to go through uh, this prayer guide for the kids, and so they're going to learn how to pray, and then you can reinforce that at home, and it'll be a great, great month. Amen. Um, God, our, our Father of all creation, in his perfect will and design, began to create one day. And as he was creating, he began to speak. He, he spoke, and this happened. He spoke again, and that happened, and um, so on and so forth. And so for five chronicle days, God spoke things into existence. Then he got his hands involved. And you know what he made? Humanity. He made us. Uh, humanity was created through the formation of God's hands, like in the, in the potter's hand. He, 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 began, he formed us out of the dust of the ground. Then, like a good father, he gave Adam and Eve a place. We find this place in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. Then... The Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. Isn't it good to have a place? Amen. When you bought your first home, isn't it a great feeling when you buy your first home and you walk in, you're like, this is my place. This is my, you know, you can just... You know, you could be yourself, the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, in your place. So it's good to have a place. So Eden becomes a dwelling place, not just for Adam and Eve, but it became a meeting place, is what it was. It was a place of fellowship between the creator and the creation. That's what it was. Eden, this beautiful uh, display of, of nature and all of the things that the Garden of Eden was, was this place where God and man 
met and they met together and they walked together and they spoke together and they fellowshiped together in that place. And then in Genesis 3, verse 8, it says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about. The frequency of the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden was because of God's heart and desire for fellowship. That's what it was. It was time together. Adam and Eve, according to most Bible scholars, had developed a a regular time of fellowship. And this, this occasion was no different than any other day except when sin entered in. But even in the presence of disobedience and sin, we find God desiring to spend time with humanity. That talks about the grace of God. That shows us His grace and His mercy that even when Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't become distant. See, that's the thing. We think God gets distant when we mess up. No, God gets closer. You know why? Because nothing can separate me from the love of God. Even my mistakes can't separate me from God's love. And so even when Adam and Eve messed up, God was still there at the normal time looking for them. He was wanting to spend time with them. He was wanting to fellowship with them. And so the problem is when we mess up, we think we got to go run and hide like Adam and Eve did. And God's saying, no, 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 come here, because I want to forgive you, and I want to get rid of that stuff in your life, and I want to cover that, and I want to get close. And so, now Eden no longer exists. It'd be nice if it still did, right? You get a round-trip ticket to the Garden of Eden, $99 Southwest Airlines. It'd be nice, right? Five-day vacation in the Garden of Eden. Five-day, six-night, five-day, five-day, six-night, however that works. And you just hang out, you know, in the garden. Just by the rivers, do some fishing, you know. It exist. So if Eden was, 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 was created to be a place of fellowship between God and man, and Eden no longer exists, what happens? Well, there's still a place that God has prepared for this type of fellowship. It's called prayer. Our title this month is A Place Prepared. That's what we're going to talk about all month long, is A Place Prepared. There's a quote by a, a pastor, Pastor Ken Gurley down in Houston. In a book that he wrote, he made this statement. He said, your life will not be measured by balance sheets, degrees, books written or read, accomplishments, or by friends and followers. You will be measured by your heart for God revealed in your prayers. So my question to you is, how have you been measured? Now, don't blurt out the answer. <laughs> I had a friend text and he texted me some verses to read and as I read those verses I began to hear the voice of God's word speaking into my life 
And one of those verses is where I develop the title for this series this month. And it's Exodus chapter 23, verse 20. And I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. And God is speaking here, and He's speaking to Moses, and He says, See, I am sending an angel before you to protect you on your journey and to lead you safely to the place I have prepared for you. To lead you safely to the place I have prepared for you. What we're reading about here is God was speaking to Moses about the future of the children of Israel. And their future, he was talking about a place, a place promised, which was the promised land. He was talking about physical land. But as I read this, and as I heard the voice of the word of the Lord speaking to me, what I heard, what he has promised and what he has prepared for us is not necessarily a piece of dirt, but it's a dwelling place. It's a place to dwell. And Moses wrote about this place in Psalms chapter 91. And Moses wrote in Psalms 91 verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He that dwells in the secret place, that God can go, that place where you can be you and God can be Him and you can fellowship together and you can spend time together and He can pour into you and you can pour out to Him and He can fill you, He can encourage you, He can strengthen you, He can baptize you and He can... All of those things, that's that place. That's where we should dwell. And that's what prayer is. Prayer isn't a script. Prayer isn't something I say. It isn't, Lord, bless this food to my body. Prayer is fellowship with God in the presence of God. Amen. You don't have to know how to pray in the King James Version with all the these and the thous and the doth, 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 uh, Thuses and the dwellethes and all the ethes and tongue tire uppers. But I love what Moses wrote. He continued on in Psalms chapter 91, verse 9. He says, Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. Do you know that prayer can be a refuge? Prayer can be a retreat. Prayer can be a place, not something you have to do, but something you get to do. You get to enter into the presence, the throne room of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That is a privilege that we are... You remember when... Well, who was it? Who was the last royalty to get married? It was some prince and some duchess. I don't remember. I don't know what their names were. But anyways... They were getting married, and it was happening overseas across the pond, and it was going to be like 3 in the morning here. Millions of people that don't get up for nothing at 3 o'clock in the morning set their alarms, got up, gathered in the, t in the living room, turned on the TV, and so that they could watch us married. People are awed to be to be able to walk into the palace with Queen Elizabeth. All of these things, oh, kings and queens, were eat up with it, man. And I'm, I'm, it's pretty cool. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. It'd be, you know, to meet the president. I've never met a president at all. Um, I've been 
uh, in the same general area where I saw him in person um, a couple years ago, but, and, and that was pretty cool. But check this out. We have free access to the King of Kings. We have free access to the Creator of heaven and earth. That's the coolest thing ever. He can do more for you. That duchess and that prince and that king or that queen don't even know you exist. God formed you. God numbered the hairs on your head. He knows every intricate detail about your life and that's your king. That's the God that created you. Why wouldn't we want to spend time with Him? And that's what prayer is. It's fellowship. He, he knows you. All of the stuff. <laughs> he knows the things you don't want nobody to know. And He still loves you. And all He wants is you to love Him that much. All He wants is you to get to know Him that much. Prayer isn't something that should just happen on Sunday. It ought to be a retreat of every single day. It ought to be a place I go to unload my mind. Anyway, so Moses is writing. He says, he says, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. You know what this is? No weapon formed against you will prosper. Amen. When you dwell in the presence of the Lord through prayer, through regular prayer, the weapons will be formed. The enemy will attack you. He'll come against you with all kinds of stuff, but he will not succeed. Amen. And he goes on, he says, No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your way. Do you realize that we are surrounded by a host of heavenly angels? Do you understand that? If we could see in the Spirit, it would scare the shoe leather off of us. I'm telling you, you'd, it was like that, 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 that uh, a servant with, I think it was Elijah, and he's like, ah, the enemy's all around us. And Elijah's like, Lord, open his eyes. And he's like, oh, wait, snap. We got lots of people with us. <laughs> Check this out. <laughs> you know, if we could really see what God has placed around your life on an everyday basis, it would buy like, oh, what? why are you there? The Lord says, I've sent that angel to walk with you to guard you, to protect you, to order, to help you. Amen. That's how much He cares about you. He dispatches angels every single day to help you in your daily life. Amen. You ever have that moment where, you know, you uh, shouldn't be looking at your phone, you're looking at your phone while driving, trying to multitask, and you look up in that car, you're like, like I don't know how I stopped. There was this big bad angel going, protection. I mean, that's what He does. When we dwell in His presence, when we get to know Him, because the place of prayer is where God desires to fellowship with us. And I know that sounds super simple, but it is very, very true. So what is prayer? Prayer is an investment of time. That's what it is. You know why it's so precious to God? is because it's the one thing you can't get back. And when it talks about the first fruits, if we can give the first fruits of our time, that's precious to God. And so 
when we spend time, we make an investment of time with God, our Creator. Because we were created to live in the realm of relationships. Do you know that? That's how we were created. We were created as men to, when we were single, key point, when we were single, to see a young lady and go, hey, how you doing? And that young lady to see a young man and bat her eyes at him and say, how you doing? <laughs> you know, and you go to dinner and you start dating. And, you know, you might get a little peck on the cheek every now and then if you're a really good boy. And so we were, we were created to walk in relationship. This is a month of love. I can talk about that stuff. We were created to, in the realm of relationships. And the first relationship we were created to dwell in is a relationship with our Creator. That's our first relationship. I've said it many, many times. If your relationship with God is not right, all your other relationships on earth will not be right. Because that is your first and primary relationship. And I've got to make sure I can't be the husband I need to be if I'm not being the servant and the son of God that He's called me to be. I've got to get this right first so I can be a good husband and I can be a good dad to my girls because that's my next relationship. And all of these things, they flow together. Because what God had with Adam and Eve was relational. That's what it was. What He had with Moses was relational. What He had with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and so on and so forth, it was relational. These men and women of Scripture didn't just have a knowledge of a God. They knew God. They knew intricate details about how He worked. They had fellowship with Him. They knew Him much in the same way a husband knows his wife and his wife knows her husband. They know each other. It was something intimate. It was something personal. It was a closeness. It was fellowship. It was relational. Love should move us to know, right? I fell in love with my wife. First and foremost, I thought she was the finest thing in shoe leather. You know, she hates when I do this stuff. Why do it? And I was like, yep. And so, like, how you doing? You know, we started talking, and I developed this love for her. I was attracted to her first. That helps, okay? Let me just say it. Any single people out there, be attracted to them, okay? Alan Jackson wrote this song, Living on Love. <laughs> Living on love, buying on time. Yeah. You know what love does? Love moves us to know that person, to find out the intricate details of their life, what makes them happy, what makes them sad, what pleases them, what displeases them, how they operate. That's what love does. And we were built relational. Even the great John Bon Jovi knew this when he uh, sang the song, Living on a Prayer. You know that one? Take my hand and we'll make it, I swear. Whoa! Living on a Prayer. John Bon Jovi knew it. That's my bad. That's all I got right there. 
Man, I used to rock that song out. <laughs> that was a bad, because John, you know, yeah, that's good for you, yeah. Yeah. I love that song. <laughs> but I remember also in church, we used to sing relational songs. And he walked with me, and he with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. He knows it's going to be a inspiration, did you? <laughs> I didn't either. What are those? Those are songs about a relationship. That's what this is. This is a relationship. A relationship is made up of experiential knowledge, not just information. Amen? Because we as humanity have this deep desire for information. We want to know stuff. And we want it for all kinds of reasons. Some need information information to do their job. Some want it to prove someone else wrong. Others want it just to have it and, or sound smart. Either way, we love information. That hunger for information, even useless information, is what led to the creating and continues to drive what we call the Internet. So is driven by people wanting information about other people's lives. Even people they don't like, don't know, don't care about. You follow them so you can find out what's going on in their life. And you stop on their cooking videos, and you stop on their video of the dog doing something stupid, and, and all this stuff. You don't care. It doesn't change your day. It doesn't make your day better or worse. It's just information. Because in your mind, you never know if somebody's going to ask you, hey, did you see this? Yes, I did. Because how terrible would it be? Is, did you see this? No. <laughs> That's terrible. That we don't know something. That's the world we live in. We're eat up with information in our current society. We want to know the latest. And Google is the single largest search engine in the world. You know why? By simply providing information about anything, anyone, or anywhere. That's what they did. But this desire of ours can present a certain prayer life because it becomes dangerous when we begin to treat God like Google. We go to Him, but it's only so that He might feed our thirst for answers and information. It's not to spend time with Him. It's not to get to know Him. In fact, I'm afraid it's possible that, that the church's hunger for information has superseded our hunger and thirst for righteousness. And when our prayer is made up of seeking only answers and information, we dilute 
and we pervert our time with Him. And instead of seeking Him, we seek answers to why or why not or what about this and what about that and how come this. Instead of just spending time in His presence, getting to know Him. Author Charles Hummel, in his book, The Tyranny of the Urgent, wrote, our greatest danger is letting the urgent things crowd out what we view to be necessary. Lesser priorities seek to occupy the place God once held supreme in our lives. Because prayer was not always viewed as something that had to be done. Prayer, our forefathers, Scripture, the, the men and women of the Bible, they looked at prayer as a retreat. It was a joy. It was, it was of utmost value in their life. Prayer is not battle. Prayer is not war. It isn't pleading. It isn't demanding. It's fellowship. Prayer is powerful, not because I use powerful words, but because it's fellowship with a God that has all power. That's what makes prayer powerful, is when I get into the presence of God, a God who has all power in heaven and earth, and He has all authority, and His desire for you and I is to simply be in His presence. He desires and He dreams to walk with you to talk with you, to have fellowship that flows from a loving relationship. We put so much pressure on prayer. Like, okay. You realize God knows you, right? And so, you know, you're like, no, woman, I ain't doing that. Dear Heavenly Father, If he knows me, then I can just come to him like I am. I can come at him. And all my imperfections and all my frailties and all my weaknesses and all my faults and failures, I can just come to him and say, God, you know me. I just desire to be in your presence. And we invest enough time to where as we dwell in his presence, he can deal with the frustrations in our life. He can deal with the things in our life. He can deal, because if all I do is use prayer as a venting session, I've not gotten to know Him. All I've done And there's a place for that. But He has prepared a place for you and I in His presence that is called prayer that we can get to know Him and we can understand the intricacies of what makes Him God and what makes Him precious and what makes Him powerful and what makes Him mighty and what makes Him just and gracious and merciful and forgiving. All of those things, if we'll just invest time enough to get into His presence. Religion is powerless without relationship. Because Paul talked about it in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He said, that I may know Him. That word know right there, 
is the same no of a woman and a man knowing each other once they get married. The intimacy. God created that. The consummation of a marriage. Right? God made that. That, 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 that privacy, that closeness, that understanding of what pleases them and what pleases him and her. And, and to God, that Paul said, I want to know him in an intimate way. I want to know him so close. I want to understand who he is. I want to know what pleases my God. And we have taken that. Because when I talk about that, or we... we you know, use the word sex in church. Everybody's like, oh, 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 oh. we all get weird and awkward. You said sex. <laughs> We've perverted something that God designed in a relationship driven out of love for a husband and a wife to know each other, to understand that person. Why? Because He wants to know us in the same level of the intimacy, the same level of understanding. That's what God wants. That's why Paul can write, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Not life, not death, not this, not that. Nothing can separate me. Why? Because His love is so much deeper than what you and I can even fathom in our mind. Because so much, our love for God is situational. And we love Him when things are good, and we go to Him when things are bad, but in between, we keep Him at arm's length. He's like, no, no, He desires that closeness. Paul, go back to uh, 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 Philippians 3.10. Go back to that one. It says, that I may know Him. Now check this out. He, you, he, he said that I may know Him first. Then He says, and the power of His resurrection, of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death. All of those other things come from knowing Him. I've got to know Him first. If I want the power of God in my life, if I want to understand the power of His resurrection, I've got to get to know Him. I've got to spend time with Him. Because we want our prayers to move mountains. We want them to roll back waters. We want them to silence and cast out and defeat. And nothing is wrong with that. But we must remember who has that ability. And I can't will those things into happening but God. If I'll just spend, as my wife comes to the piano, if I'll just spend time in His presence, my mountains will be moved. If I'll invest in spending time with Him and getting to know Him, He'll roll back the waters. He'll cast out. He'll defeat. Anybody remember King Jehoshaphat? That was a great Bible name. That name's only great in the Bible. I'm Tim. What's your name? Jehoshaphat. Wow. Okay. Right on, brother. <laughs> That's a good one. Your mom and daddy hated you. Your name's Jehoshaphat. I'm sorry. I just offended. Please forgive me. King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 5, it says, And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. 
and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Hold right there. Go back to that. You know what Jehoshaphat's doing there? He's acknowledging who God is. In your hand are power and might. Not in mine. In your hand. He's giving glory where glory is due. He's keeping his eyes on God. All right, go to verse 7. And he says, Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house. And cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. O our God. Hold on, wait, go go, go back to verse 9. No, go to verse 12. I'm sorry, go to verse 12. I'm messing them all up. He goes on in verse 12. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? This next part. The word humility. For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. what prayer is. God, I don't know what to do with this situation. It's too big for me. It's too great for me. But my eyes are on you. I look to you from where my help comes from. Go to verse 15. And he said, listen, God's speaking. All Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Leave that verse up. You can experience mighty prayers when you enter the presence of the mighty God. You can speak authoritatively while in the presence of the God who has all authority. Prayer should have a singular focus. Coming into the place prepared for me to fellow who loves me. And out of that time with Him will flow every need of your spirit, your life, your heart, your soul, and your mind. Jesus even said it in Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Would you stand with me?
if you will just determine to fellowship with them. Walk with them. Talk with them. Spend time. Listen to them. Seek Him. Dwell in His presence. What you will find in His presence is all you'll ever need. Why don't we close our eyes? Because what you'll find in His presence is your battles will be won. Your mountains will be moved. Your storms will be calmed in His presence. Great preacher C.H. Spurgeon made this statement. He said, My own soul's conviction is that prayer is the grandest power in the entire universe. That it has a more omnipotent force than electricity, attraction, gravitation, or any of those other secret forces which men have called by name, but which they do not understand. A Tory said, There have been revivals without much preaching, but there has never been a mighty revival without mighty prayer. Church, if we want to see, and I speak to not this building, but to you, if we want to see what God has in store, it's time that we enter into the place He has prepared for us called prayer. To take and invest time to dwell in His presence. So at the close of this message and this service today, I wonder where you sit, where you stand up around this front, I wonder if we can just take a moment now. I know we've got lunch, we've got kids, and we've got all these things planned for the rest of the day, but I wonder if we can just pause for a moment and just seek His presence. We close out this service. As my wife begins to sing, I wonder if you can just create Thank you so much for being with us today. We hope you were blessed in some way by the message. To learn more about us, check out www.mylifecitychurch.org or you can contact us at info at Thank you once again for joining us and we hope you have a great week.